0: Todo el mundo But this was really 1981.
1: Hey, rockers, this is Stacey Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the films The Ventures, Stars on Guitars, and The Second Age of Aquarius. Rock and Roll Nightmares, the podcast, explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. But that's just a jumping off point. Think of it as a 45 record you bought for the hit you know, and then going to the B-side and discovering something really cool and unexpected. On this lo-fi podcast for hi-fi people, I will be interviewing, sometimes by myself, sometimes with a co-host, musicians, authors, artists, and filmmakers. Enjoy! Today I have a co-host, Marco Manone. He's the author of the short story "Hell a Woman," which appears in Volume One of the book series "Along Comes Scary: The Sixties Edition." Hey, Marco.
2: What's up, Stacy?
1: Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. Um, Your story "Hell a Woman" presents a very intriguing theory about how the Twenty Seven Club started. So, what made you decide to tackle that topic?
2: I mean, I've just always been fascinated by. That phenomenon, for lack of a better word, um, and so when you approached me to possibly contribute a story to the '60s edition of Rock and Roll Nightmares, I mean, I, I was actually going through our email thread um, that when you approached me, and it took me three hours to land on the Twenty Seven Club as an idea, <laughs> and it'd be like when I responded, and I remember when I responded to you, I, I asked, like, I, I just assumed like someone already has to have this idea. Um, or do, you know, doing something with the 27 club. And I was very pleasantly surprised when you said that no one was doing anything with it. It just seems like a a no brainer because it's such a, a fascinating and mysterious, um, you know, I I think like a curse basically. And so that's, I just wanted to come up with an origin story for it. I've never really seen anyone really explain it in any kind of way. Um, So that, yeah, that was just, that was my end. I just wanted to come up with an origin story for it.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I've i seen facts presented about the 27th club, but not very many theories. And I, I love, I know I'm not going to give it away, but kind of how, where you decided to have it emanate from is, is a really great uh, choice. And, but I will say though, that you kind of chose to take it in a satanic supernatural direction. So what inspired you to do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it kind of boiled down to, one of two uh choices which was either you know a non-supernatural approach would make it have to be like a serial killer or something like that which I didn't really want to do and the supernatural approach was just more compelling to me because you know as a writer I, there was just more opportunity to let my imagination fly um and and it was really fun to kind of come up with a you know a, a spooky um yet I think strangely plausible uh, explanation on on know how that curse began and why specifically the number 27 and you know how it sort of got unleashed um that was just it was super fun to come up with and still weave it into sort of the pop culture history of that time and pepper in some some kind of known uh faces from from that era
1: yes you have phil specter in your story
2: yeah phil (laughs) specter another character who a lot of people would will recognize, um, that I just call Charlie. Um, I, I, I sort of made a, a point of if I'm going to include anyone, any little kind of historic cameos that they all have to be murderers in some way. So even though we don't allude to what Phil Spector ends up doing decades later, um, it's, you know, I just, I liked being able to pick people that all had kind of a, a dark side to them. Um, so it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, without knowing that you were going to put him in your story I had put him in one of my stories that I co-wrote with Darren Gordon Smith in the 80s edition Mm -hmm. gory days so I have uh Phil Spector and Richard Ramirez in a fight to the death (laughs) so he's yeah
2: yeah I mean you know some of those characters were just um too uh too compelling not to include in some way you know it was it just makes sense to exactly. populate you know our our little horror world with, with some <laughs> of the characters because there's you know a, definitely a dark side to rock and roll and and the kind of the rock mythology um so it was it was fun to play with
1: well i mean we know it, it, the 27 club you know the major players are brian jones jim morrison janice joplin Jimi hendrix Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. Um, But I know like Jim Morrison has to be your favorite because you and I have known each other for years and years and you've got to be one of the biggest Doors fans and historians that I know. And uh, I remember back, I think it was in 2009 when we both, you know, separately interviewed the remaining members of the Doors for that documentary, When You're Strange, which was wonderful. It had a great restored version of Jim Morrison's short film, Highway. Um, so what was it like, you know, for you to be able to sit with Ray, Robbie and John?
2: I mean, it's still probably the most surreal, like experience of my life. Um, and I have you to thank for that opportunity. So once again, thank you.
1: <laughs> you are uh, welcome.
2: Yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, if you, you can imagine just, you know, growing up your whole life, listening to, a band and seeing them on stage and, you know, never imagining that one day you'd be sitting at the same table with them and having the opportunity to ask them questions that you've kind of always wanted to ask them. Um It was, it was amazing. I mean, I remember, you know, Ray, Robbie sat right next to me, literally right next to me. Uh, Ray sat across from me and he was, I think he was, going from interview to interview, and he was lugging around this big jug of red wine. <laughs> was, of
1: course he was.
2: Bless his soul. Um, it wasn't a bottle. It was a jug. And, you know, um, he, was, he was just so happy to, like, just talk and connect um, and tell their stories. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I just, I got to ask them some, some pretty cool questions. And um, it, was, it was weird. It's surreal. It still feels like a, a dream.
1: You nailed it because Ray does, or did, excuse me, rest his soul, mm-hmm. love to hold court. He was always a bit of a ham. Uh, it's a very interesting character. Um, you know, so like what were some of the questions that you asked them?
2: Well, I was, you know, I I didn't want to ask them questions that maybe they've been asked like a million times before. And also I I read so many books on them and seen so many documentaries, you know, including the one that they were promoting. So I just, I was more interested in um, kind of their views on the world at that time. I think you said it was like 2009, 2010. I, I was more interested in like the doors perspective on just our modern culture and like what, you know, did America turn out the way they anticipated um, considering that they sort of generated the soundtrack to the, the, um, the revolution of the, of the sixties um, and you know, and any advice that maybe they had for like the current young generation, because this was, you know, I think very recent after the economic collapse and, um, you know, global warming, even, you know, 10 years ago was already a a very, um, ominous, uh, existential concept. So I was just curious, like, what did they think about where we were at and, and what sort of perspective did they have coming from the sixties to that? And, um, and yeah, it was, um, it was interesting. Uh, unfortunately, that that article is actually, I think, lost into the digital ether. That magazine folded, and I don't,
1: uh, I don't have
2: access to it. I think I still have the audio recording somewhere, um, but yeah, the actual article is, is sort of I think it's it's lost.
1: Oh Well, it's become a, a myth, just like Jim Morrison, I guess.
2: Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I really, I just had to have you as my co-host for this episode of Rock and Roll Nightmares, because today we are interviewing Adi Argalassi. She's a very talented singer and musician who portrays Janis Joplin, another member of the 27 Club, in a Las Vegas nightclub show of the same name. So let's welcome her.
2: Our guest today is the Israeli rock star, Adi Argalazi. She's a real chameleon. She can sing beautiful ballads, compose kick-ass rock songs, and perform perfectly as Janis Joplin, which she does five nights a week in the Las Vegas Tribute Concert, 27, A Musical Adventure. The show honors those rockers who all died too young and now form the 27 Club. Hello, Adi. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, how's it going? Great. Yeah, we're doing good. Um, I just want to jump right in and ask. You know, I had read up on you after seeing you perform the Twenty Seven Club. I thought you were so great in the show, and and you kind of describe yourself as a country girl from Israel. So, how does a country girl from Israel wind up performing on stage in glitzy Las Vegas as Janis
0: Joplin? First of all, thank you uh, for enjoying my uh, Janice tribute. Um, yes, I'm coming from a community called the kibbutz in Israel. So it's basically like a country style living, um, community. Um, I was always the singer of the community. So I'm used to be famous around the 200 people that used to live there. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I always knew that I'm going to end up in LA, um, such Hollywood, you know, it was always such a big deal, especially for people from my country, um, Israel. And I made it um, seven years ago. I met a friend who's a musician here and he told me just uh, come right in. I'm going to help you out. And um, I came by, I started in Los Angeles and I started, um, um, going to jam nights in Hollywood. And uh-huh. I found that the first place that let me um, actually sing was the Viper Room Jam Sansa Jam that was hosted by Eric Himmel who is um, the MD of the show Twenty Seven. Funny enough, oh, okay. um, <laughs> he's the first one who just let me. He was like, "Okay, let's let's see if you actually can sing." Um, and then after he let me sing. Uh, other jam nights and other people heard me sing and that's how the word spread and that's how I ended up also in Las Vegas thanks to Eric.
2: (laughs) Adi I'm curious what did you know about Janice before you did this Vegas show and how has your perception of her changed since playing her if at all?
0: Actually it changed a lot because to me Janice Joplin was a sad little girl who always sang the sad songs and was always crying because the boy left her and um, she was unaccepted in society, which that that was true. But um, And then it changed since I started digging more into her um, and watching more videos and interviews. Um, She's actually a funny little bird. She's all about joking and making fun of the world and partying. So she's not sad as everyone thinks she is. Um, yeah she's heartbroken uh, from uh, her the last boyfriend before she passed away um, the last boyfriend that left her uh, which anyone would be sad about so she wasn't such a depressed little girl she was just she was just wanted to party (laughs)
1: yeah Right. Well, you know, that documentary, Little Girl Blue, I didn't know about that boyfriend until I saw that documentary. And and the fact that the night that she overdosed, he had sent her a telegram, you know, wanting to see her again. And it's so
0: sad that they No, it's so sad. I actually watched it, rewatched it um, when we first started the show, like, like April, May. And then I saw, I didn't realize about that letter until the last time I watched him. That's really, she had no idea that he actually wanted. That's really sad. It really
1: is. Um, I wanna know what the audition process was like and for the 27 Club show and what things did you have to do and to not only sound like Janice but also to get her mannerisms right, which you
0: totally nail by the way. Yeah, thank you. So as you can hear, I have a tiny bit of accent right now that I speak. Um, (laughs) The first thing I had to work on was my accent, um, just get more country, like American, and pronounce the words right. And I always had a raspy voice, but I was never um, that, you know, I had to work on her rasp and her screams and... um, like perfect her and um we've been working with uh roger love um he's a vocal coach and he's he's amazing this guy's incredible he just he made me he made me perfect her um um singing voice and talking voice while i talk to the audience as well like it's it's incredible so yeah
1: yeah, all the performers really nailed it. I love the, um, I don't know his name, the man who plays Jim Morrison, how he kind of wanders out into the audience and he's really got the exactly. Jim Morrison.
0: Yeah, it's over man. He's amazing. He's amazing. He is. He's a great performer. And yeah, I love how he communicates with the audience. He's a great job.
2: <laughs> I'm curious, if you got to ask Janice one question before you first performed as her on stage, what do you think it might be?
0: probably would ask her what songs she'd rather play instead of just me choosing the songs for her. And, <laughs> and um, what she would say to the audience, because all the videos that we've seen of her, we don't really see what she's saying to the audience. It's always like how she sings and the talking in between, like during the songs, but nothing in between the songs. So I would like to know what she, what she would say to them. <laughs>
1: In your opinion, why have some of the most talented rock stars died at the age of 27? That particular number just seems to have a magical alchemy to it. Um, and there's not really a collection of other performers, you know, who've died at 25, say, or 29. So
0: it's 27. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that's, it's it's really strange. I'm not sure about the the 27. I mean, I feel like Kirk Bain, I have a feeling, conspiracy. I feel like he, he, I don't know, he was planning it. I mean, people say he killed himself, but I don't know, maybe he was killed or whatever. It was planned. That was planned. Um, But the 20s, I'm not sure. I know that it's such a young age and it kind of like the same time and they're all, Um, I mean, like Jimi Hendrix and uh, Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison, they're kind of like around the same times, and they kind of mm-hmm. like the greatest success in the world which that doesn't really happen these days like this kind of success like you can be really successful but it's not really how they experienced that because they actually felt it so maybe it got in their head and they party a little bit too much and drugs were not really under uh, much control like today i mean it's not that control these days but it's a little more like people know kind of what they take (laughs) right there's more
1: education about drug and yeah. alcohol abuse now than mm-hmm. back
0: then Yep. Yeah. so I mean they, they kind of overdid it you know but they, they had fun right
1: all <laughs> right well you know live fast we a good looking corpse so I guess they've lived and died by that adage <laughs> seriously
2: hey what do you think it was slash is about Janice Joplin that made her so unique not only for the 1960s but even to this very day because no one's really really replicated or emulated what she accomplished?
0: So I think there was no one like her before. She was the first to do, to like to rock it out as a woman and she had no filters. She was just, she gave everything on stage and she just didn't care about like look pretty or sound pretty. And she just wanted to rock and people were not ready for it. People like, new things and excitement and um till this day she was just the first to do it and um just all the girls want to be her and i i understand why
1: <laughs> now i listened to some of your own original music and you you do sing you know some wonderful ballads and you've got quite a, a variety of music that you can do which made me appreciate your Janice uh, impersonation that much more. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about, do you have an album out now or do you have a band? Where can people
0: see you and follow you? Uh, Thank you so much. Yes, um, I have my band called White Witch, um, which I'm working on my new EP right now. I'm gonna re-release some songs. Um, I have some songs out on YouTube at this moment um, and videos. You can search by either Adi or or White Witch Band. Um.
1: Let's uh, listen to some of your music. This is White Witch Live doing Golden Chair. See you. Why should I go back home I feel it
0: inside? So why does it feel so? kind of like to do all different stuff I like to rock I like to um, sing opera and I like to sing ballads and um, I just like to change a lot it's fun <laughs>
1: uh, yeah it's great I mean I think that's the way you can survive in this business is to be able to change with the times but still keep your own innate talent you know and which you do Mm-hmm. Um, so 27 a musical adventure honors the icons gone too soon at the age of 27 Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Robert Johnson, Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse and of course Adi Argalazi as Janis Joplin, mm-hmm. Heather Boas, Jack Daniels and all uh, the performance <laughs> yes, culminates with artists with the artists performing all together on one stage which I think is really cool it's kind of an out of this world dream concert Um, I saw the show for my birthday, and I was blown away by it. Um, I saw you guys at the Virgin Hotel Casino in Las Vegas, and the 27 Club performs now uh, Wednesday through Sunday, and you can get tickets at 27, that's 27show.com. So um, we know that we can find your videos on YouTube and whatnot, but do you have a website or do you have any social media
0: that you'd like fans to find and follow you? Yes, uh, you can go to my website at drgelazimusic.com and my social media at uh, Facebook, Instagram, or White Witch Band on Instagram and Facebook. And you can find everything you desire.
1: <laughs> wow, you can't hide. Seriously, I don't like to hide. <laughs> I can tell. Oh, thank you so much, Adi. It was really great to meet you and chat with you. Thank you,
0: Stacey and Marco.
2: Thank you so much. Thank
1: you. As always, before I close the show, I'm going to share a paragraph from one of the Rock and Roll Nightmares books. This is an excerpt from Along Comes Scary, the 1960s fiction edition. The story is, Do You Believe in Tragic? And it's by Jeff Strand. Tommy crossed the finish line and let out a cheer. Then he pressed his right foot against the brake pedal, intending for the momentum of his automobile to lessen. But it didn't. He tried with his left foot and experienced the same lack of result. Everybody had thought it would be funny to conduct a drag race near a treacherous cliff, but nobody had anticipated a scenario where somebody's brakes failed. As Tommy hurtled toward the edge of the cliff, he knew that the only way he was going to live another minute was to turn the steering wheel. But he couldn't turn the steering wheel to the left. There was a doshand in the way. And he couldn't turn the steering wheel to the right. There was another dachshund in the way. Tommy quickly rolled down his window and stuck out his head. Susie, he cried out, I love you. Take care of little Tommy for me. Susie's first thought was that she kind of wished Tommy hadn't blabbed about her pregnancy since she had yet to quite figure out how she was going to tell her parents and deal with the scandal of being the town slut. Her second thought was pure horror as she watched Tommy's automobile with Tommy inside go over the edge of the cliff. Concludes another episode of Rock and Roll Nightmares. I'm your host, Stacy Lane Wilson. The theme song "Out for Blood" is composed and sung by Lars with a Z Cabot, and the band is Fuzzbuster. You can hear the whole track in the horror comedy film Valentine Days, also with a Z. For photos of the guests and show archives please visit the website rockandrollthings.com. That's rock and roll with an N. You can also join the Rock and Roll Nightmares Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at rockandrollnightmaresbooks. That's B-O-O-K-S. This is an indie podcast, so your subscriptions and ratings are really important. Thank you for joining me. And until next time.